All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of Outside the Studio. I am your host, Tessa Tovar. I have an amazing guest here today, Kathleen, Kathleen Kruger. Um, she works in the wheelhouse of human design. Um, and I don't know much about this topic and I believe, and Kathleen, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that it's related to astrology. Um, there might be some overlap there. And Kathleen is also a yoga teacher. So we may touch on that subject. Um, but to start us off, Kathleen, I would love to just have you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about the work that you do um, and the topic that we're going to be discussing today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So um, I'm Kathleen. I kind of had my introduction to the wellness world through yoga. And then over time, I started picking up on new ways of doing things or new beliefs or new things that I haven't heard of before. And it became more and more spiritually based. So I started very much um, in the yoga world, like moving my body for the physical component, but over time it grew more into a spiritual practice. And that's kind of when human design came into my life. And for those of you who haven't heard of human design, it's a synthesis of, or combination of traditions that come together to create an energetic blueprint of your soul. So it's a really practical way of mapping out your own personal energy. And I think it is really important to, to recognize and honor that it comes from the Chinese I Ching. It's a mixture of the Jewish Kabbalah, astrology, and also the chakra system and quantum physics. So it kind of brings all of these traditions and ways of thinking together to form human design. And then you use your birth information your birth date, time, location to create your own individual chart that can tell you a lot about your own energetic makeup. Mm -hmm. How did you discover this human design? I think I stumbled upon it maybe five years ago. And I had a friend of mine had a book all about human design. Mm -hmm. And at the time that I read it, it was like very complicated. I didn't really understand it. And then maybe six months later, I listened to a podcast about it. And it was so eye-opening for me and it, it almost felt like a permission slip because for the longest time I felt like I was different from everyone around me or that I was doing things differently or wrong and that I could never just follow the standard traditional path that society had created for me. And for a while I beat myself up over that. Like, why can't I just be satisfied the way most people do things? And then when I came across human design, it was kind of like, oh, wait, no, this is, this is my energetic makeup. This is how I'm meant to show up in the world. And this is exactly what I've been doing for so long, but trying to sort of dismiss it or push it aside or shift or change the way I naturally wanted to show up. Yeah. So did you have a radical life shift, a, a, a change in trajectory, or was it something that progressed over time? Yeah, absolutely. I when I was 21, I got hired to teach middle school and I taught for seven years. And every year I felt like I was dying a slow and painful death and teaching is an incredible career. And the teachers who are still in the system and the career, I honor you guys and recognize you so much and appreciate the work that you're doing, but I couldn't keep up with it. And while I loved my students, it was, I was burned out. I was frustrated. I was tired every single day. And I realized I was living this life that someone else had created for me. 
And I was so afraid of stepping away from it because I had spent so much time and energy dedicated to the profession and not to mention money because I paid for school and my master's degree. And one day I just woke up and was like, I can't do this anymore. It's turning me into someone that I don't want to be. And I put in my letter of resignation without a plan in place and just kind of followed my heart to see what would happen next. And I'm not going to lie. It was a very uncomfortable space because I like certainty in my life. So that was a bit of a challenge learning how to embrace that, but coming across human design sort of defined or explained what I was feeling and why, and really gave me, it was, it was a sigh of relief, you know, to say, okay, I've been wanting to do things differently for a long time. And, and human design came in and said, yeah, you have been, and this is why. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can you walk me through, you know, how, what would you do with somebody like, I I come to you wanting a session, what do you call it is like a coaching session? I just call them human design chart readings because so so if you if you have not seen your human design chart for all those people listening I suggest pausing this and pulling up your chart and you can do that if you go to my website radianthumandesign.com there's um, a link in the top left corner that says get your chart and then from there you will enter in your birth information and you'll get an image of what seems like a very complicated chart it's Uh, at first sight can be kind of overwhelming because there's a lot going on, which is why it's helpful to get a reading or take time to sort of research and learn on your own. So when people come to me, I, I read their charts, I pull up their birth information and we kind of walk through everything that's going on. Okay, cool. So in essence, you start with like, it sounds like an astrology reading to start. Mm -hmm. That's most people are familiar with the astrology aspects of it. So it is very similar to getting your astrological chart or natal chart read. Uh huh. And then from there you layer on, well, you talk about five energy types. Yeah. So human design, like I said, there's a lot going on in the chart Mm -hmm. and there's a lot to learn, but the most important and most foundational part of your chart is what we call an energy type. So anyone new to human design, you really want to focus on your energy type for a while and get that integrated into your life. And then if you feel called to learn more, go for it. Um, But there's five different energy types in human design. And if you pull up your chart, you'll see which one you are. You've got the generator, the manifesting generator, the projector, the manifester and the reflector. And these different energy types tell you how you best interact with the world around you. It's really interesting because they also tell you how you can best make decisions. Um, It can uncover some of your natural skills and talents and learning about your energy type really explains how you make energy or maybe how you need to rest or how your body best functions. Mm-hmm. Cool. And so before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about uh, my chart or mm-hmm. my reading. And I mentioned that I don't know the exact time of my birth, which is one of the components that it's nice to have. But you said there's like a little bit of room, like there's an hour, you know, if you're within this hour, then you can get a fairly accurate Yeah, ideally, you have the exact birth time, because that's when all of the nuances of your chart really come through. But if you have 
an approximate time, you can enter that in and, and play around with the time. You know, if you enter in 1 a.m., see if anything in your chart changes at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. And you may find that your energy type doesn't change throughout the day. And then if you get nothing else out of human design, since your energy type is the most foundational part of your chart, you really can take a lot away from it. Mm-hmm. And so can you dive a little bit deeper into the five energy types? I mean, I think broad brush strokes, we can like gather what they mean in essence, but would you drill down into those a little bit deeper? Yeah, I would love to. So first of all, before we get into the energy types, I do want to note that human design is meant to be empowering. So it's kind of like take what resonates with you and leave what doesn't. If you're first hearing about human design, some of it can feel a little limiting, but it's really up to you to figure out what energetically is best for you. So human design is just a self-discovery tool that may work for you. It may not. And if you're feeling limited by it, maybe reframe or look at the the information from a different perspective. Mm, That's such a nice reminder. Yeah, it is because I feel like sometimes we sort of put ourselves into boxes or like, oh, well, the, the spiritual world says I need to meditate five times a day and it's good for me, but I can't do that. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> I know even in the spiritual self-help world, we're like, oh, but that's not me or that doesn't fit. And, and exactly. Yeah. And really the basis of human design is just recognizing that you are different than other people and other people are different from you. And that's totally okay. So as, as long as it's coming from a conscious and loving space. Mm-hmm. So the first energy type or the first two, we'll talk about our generators and manifesting generators. And the idea behind these two energy types is that they're the creators, they're, they're the doers, they're the builders in the world. And they're really here to do what they love. And you're a generator, by the way. So you're meant to show up into this world and do what excites you. And by doing that, you create energy, you create life force energy for yourself and also for other people to plug into and then step away from when they need to rest and recharge. And when you do what you love, you create more life force energy when you're doing things that don't excite you or things that don't feel good to you, you create less energy and you deplete your energy very quickly. Mm -hmm. So it really, it really is a service to the world to, to do things that light you up, to do things that excite you. And I'm sure you've experienced this before when you're excited to do something, you can jump out of bed, get to it, work all day long and time just sort of disappears. Yep. But if there's, if there's like the simplest task that's very easy to accomplish or check off, but you aren't excited about it, it can drag on for days and feel extremely draining. Yeah, I recently, it was really interesting. I started writing again. I've been a a lover of novels um, for so long, like since I could pick up a pen and hold it in my hand, I was like, I want to make words, I want to make sentences, I want to tell stories. And I recently started working with a writing coach on top of uh, all the other things that I do. And I found that it was energizing. I like had made these excuses for for years about how I didn't have time to do this. And um, as I was writing that first week, it was like, I was more productive. And so I I totally resonate with what you're saying about being a generator and showing up and that actually feeding my sense of energy. Okay, continue. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So it really isn't a selfish thing to do what you love because other energy types are relying on you to create that life force energy. And we're all sort of working in combination or 
in cooperation of this human design experience and we all play a, a specific role and generators and manifesting generators their biggest lesson in this lifetime is to learn how to set boundaries and learn how to say no to things which can be extremely challenging because gen generators and manifesting generators don't really like to let people down mm -hmm. yeah Here, i'm yeah, I'm also a generator too. So I, I know the feeling. So what I like to say is if you're a generator or manifesting generator, you could make two, you could get out a sheet of paper and make two columns. One is a yes column and one is a no column. So the yes column, you write down everything that you're doing on a daily basis that excites you, that you love, that gives you energy. And then in the no column, you're writing down other things that maybe drain you, that you're less excited about, that you don't really want to be doing. And take a look, just take inventory. In a perfect world, you would have everything in the yes column but it's really hard for us to get there, at least initially. So you can always start small. Take a, If you're looking at the no column, what are a couple of things that you can either check off, take off of that list, or can you just do them less? Can you spend less time doing them? Or can you have someone come in and help you so you create more space and time and energy to do things that you want to be doing? Mm, what a cool practice. I love that. Yeah. And then manifesting generators are slightly different than generators in the in that they're very multi-passionate and they have many different interests. So manifesting generators can start a lot of different projects. They might have a lot of different hobbies or even different careers. And they also have the ability to stop midway through. So for those of you who are manifesting generators, you have permission to start a project and not see it through to the end. Because the idea is that you move so quickly that you pick up what you need that so early on, you might not actually need to finish it. Mm -hmm. And that requires a lot of what we call deconditioning in the human design world, because society will tell you to finish what you start. And we can often feel very guilty if we don't see things through to completion. But for manifesting generators, that's not actually energetically correct. Um, you can actually do a lot of different things. And you have the ability to multitask. And like I said, start a project and then decide a week into it that it's not actually for you or that you already got what you needed from it. Mm, cool. Yeah. It's nice and freeing. <laughs> it is. And, and that's really what I love about human design is that it gives you the ability to look at your life and what feels good to you and really, really come back to your authentic self instead of saying these oh, that's actually not my belief, right? Maybe your parents told you to act a certain way, or maybe your teachers told you what was good or what was bad, or your friends told you what was right or what was wrong. And the media plays such a huge role in our in developing our beliefs as we grow up. So the idea is that learning about your chart, learning about your design lets you sort of peel away the layers or the beliefs that don't serve you and allows you to come back to yourself. Mm -hmm. So helpful. Yeah. And then the next type we can talk about is projectors. And projectors are here to guide the energy. They're here to sort of tweak the energy. And for projectors, it's all about your unique way of seeing things. And it's not necessarily about what you're doing, but it's it's the system that you have insight into. 
And projectors are often referred to as birds because it's almost as if they have a bird's eye view of the world and they can look down below and see what's working and what isn't working. And they know how to tweak or guide or shift what's going on to be more efficient. Hmm. And I always like to use the example of my friend who's a projector. She's a musician and she has this beautiful way of knowing and seeing music and songs and she's she's been playing music since she was a kid and now as an adult her career part of her career in addition to playing her music is helping people finish songs so she can look at a song she can see what's working she can see what needs to be shifted or moved or added and she helps people complete their songwriting process Mm, okay that's a really good example i like that Yeah. And the neat thing about projectors, which is whenever I read a chart for a projector, they're always so, they resonate so much with this. And it's that they do not have the same energy levels as generators and manifesting generators. So manifesting generators and generators can work all day long if it's something that they love doing. Mm -hmm. Projectors are not meant to do that. And really projectors are only meant to work two to three hours a day. And anything more than that, if they try to keep up with the same energetic levels as the generator and manifesting generator, they can be very burnt out, extremely fatigued, and then also kind of bitter with life in general. Mm, Okay. Mm. And really, that is just giving yourself permission to rest and reset and recharge. Again, it can feel very limiting at first. But the two to three hours for projectors is about guiding and leading. So whenever they're directly guiding people, that's meant to be limited throughout the day. But other than that, they have limitless energy to do whatever they want to do. So things that they love, spending time with people that they love, they can use their time on their own to sort of tune inward and really focus on their natural talents and gifts. And that helps them progress as a a guide or a visionary of sorts. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, speaking from the point of view of teaching yoga and guiding in that way. It's such an energetic output that afterwards, I can imagine from a projector standpoint, I mean, even myself, I need like a moment to myself often to regroup and reset and center. So I can imagine, you know, it it can be draining over time if you don't take care of yourself. So it's a really- Absolutely. And, And just because projectors require rest to reset and recharge that doesn't mean generators and manifestor manifesting generators don't we all need time to reset and recharge and and really it's just a matter of getting back into your body and really listening to the cues that it's giving you mm-hmm. yeah the next type is manifestors so manifestors are here to rally energy, to bring energy together. And they really are like the movement starters. So they will have desires or dreams or urges, and they're kind of spontaneous and they're meant to act on those things. So their karmic duty in this lifetime is to really do what they love without asking permission from anyone first. And, and manifesting generators or sorry, manifestors don't create energy like manifesting generators and generators do, which means they sort of work in creative bursts. So manifestors might work on a creative project for two weeks and then take two weeks off, or they might work really hard for four hours and then take 
the next day off. So it just depends on what your individual energetic pattern is. But manifestors really are here to do what they love. And when you get an idea as a manifester, you're meant to just act on it. So all of that, the spiritual language around like, just do it, just make it happen. Listen to your heart. That's great for manifestors because they get the urge, they can act on it and they can bring it into reality very quickly. Mm-hmm. Manifestors to the outside world can seem kind of chaotic. So just because they move so fast and they move so quickly. So they're really here to inform other people about what they're up to. And this does not mean that you ask for permission. It just means that you keep other people informed about what you're deciding to do. So in human design, you'll often hear the metaphor of a train conductor. It's kind of like manifestors are driving a train and they get on the loudspeaker and they say, Hey everyone, I'm a manifester. This is where I'm headed. And then the people can decide, am I going to get on this train or am I not going to get on this train? And by keeping people informed, you just ensure that you're surrounded by the right group of people and you're in the right environment. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. And then the last type is reflectors and reflectors are interesting because it's only 1% of the population that are reflectors. And just as their name suggests, they're here to reflect back energy. Reflectors, if you are a reflector and you take a look at your chart, you'll see all of those geometrical shapes are blank. They're white, they're not colored in. Whereas the other energy types do have some, what we call definition or shapes colored in. So reflectors are kind of like a blank canvas and you really absorb, you really take on the environment that you're in, or you feel the energies very deeply of the people that you're around you essentially become your environment as a reflector. And this makes you an incredible resource. So your sensitivity is actually one of your superpowers because you can look at a community, you can look at a group and say, I feel good here. This is great. Things are going well. Let's keep going in the direction that we are. Or you can say, I I don't feel good here. Something's not right. We need to take, take a look at what we're doing and see how we can modify it for the greater good of everyone around. Mm. reflectors because they shift and change so much depending on the environment that they're in really have a difficult time labeling and defining themselves and they likely find that their identity or the role they play or even their dreams in life change a lot and that again is the superpower of the reflector. So if you're a reflector and you're trying to define or label yourself or sort of pick one identity and stick with it, that is not actually energetically correct for you. You can give yourself permission to sort of erase any sort of labeling or trying to fit yourself into a particular box or mold because you are very malleable. You're going to transform depending on who you're around. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So that the reflectors 1% is mm-hmm. the, like a most popular. Energy. Yeah. Generators and manifesting generators are the most common. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's projectors, manifestors, and then reflectors. Okay. So it just kind of goes down the. Down yeah. The Very cool. Yeah. And it's learning about your energy type is also lets you know how you best energetically make decisions 
and it, this can also depend on what else is going on and around in your chart. But for manifesting generators and generators, our strategy is wait to respond. And what this means is the universe or God or your higher power will put things on your path. And then you get to decide from there whether or not it excites you or it doesn't, whether or not you're going to move forward with it or whether or not you're going to pass. So waiting to respond just means trusting that what you want and what you need will make its way to you. And because generator generators and manifesting generators can work all day long, they can do, they can build, they can create. It doesn't mean they have to push or hustle or force or burn themselves out in the process. Yeah. That's such a, <laughs> I so resonate with the saying yes to everything and um, burning out over that because I do feel like I have this wellspring of energy, but you know, as I get older, I realize that it, it, it's, there's this Tara Brock calls it the sacred pause. It would behoove me to take a moment before I respond and check in with myself and, and ask, or even just pause and notice what is my energy level like right now? Can I take on something else? Is it wise to, um, and then make the decision from that place of, okay, I'm grounded. I know where my energy level is at and, and now I'm ready to Mm -hmm. right. Yes or no. Yeah. And that, that's a win-win for everyone involved when you take the time to do that. Because if you think about the concept of overcommitting, in your mind, you're creating this story of how you're doing the other person a favor. But are you actually, because if you take a look at your energy or your excitement around the favor that you're doing, and you don't want to do it, and you're not excited, and then you show up to help your friend, and that's the energy you're bringing into the situation, they're going to absorb that. You're not going to do a great job they're not going to benefit because you're not showing up as your highest self. And then it becomes a lose lose. But if you set that boundary and you say, Hey, I would love to help you out, but now is not the right time. All that is, is giving them the space to find someone else who is better aligned for them in that moment. Yeah. That's such a nice reminder of, you know, honoring yourself is, is absolutely a win-win and, when you don't, the universe shows up and is like, Hey, <laughs> calm yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so how is the practice of self-discovery and self-love related to this topic? What would you say about that? Yeah. Well, I love what I love about human design is that you, it's essentially a permission slip to yourself to show up how you want to show up. So if you look at the the tradition of human design, it's, it's that your soul came into this world exactly how you wanted to be. You, you were birthed as your most authentic version, but over time you start to pick up those beliefs. You start to pick up those ideas that aren't actually yours and you get pulled farther and farther away from who you authentically are. So human design, essentially uncovers spaces where you might be holding on to limiting beliefs or beliefs that aren't yours or ideas or concepts that are holding you back. So if you're a projector, for example, and you're trying to work a nine to five job and burn yourself out in the process because society tells you that's what you should be doing, right? Or maybe your parents want you to have this specific job because it's prestigious or you make a lot of money. But if it's not actually fulfilling you, human design is one tool to to come back to yourself and say, oh yeah, that that isn't actually energetically me. 
Mm-hmm. And I think we all have the ability to do that with or without human design or with or without whatever self-discovery tool you choose. But this is kind of like um, a fast track to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a mirror, it sounds like a, a reflection of how am I aligning with with my goals, my desires? What do I want? You know, what is my soul saying? What is, what are all the, we have so many other voices in our heads, society's voices, our parents, friends, people that mean well, but may not necessarily like understand what is best for you. And really you, you are the one that knows what's best for you. It does take some practice and tools and community. (laughs) Yeah. Be able to listen and, and for sure path for sure. And it can it can be very scary. It can be, can be very confusing when you aren't, you feel like you don't fit in in some way, or you feel it, you're feeling like you're doing some things wrong and human design can help you understand that. No, it's not actually wrong. It's just different and it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm wondering, you know, as you're talking about the different energetic types I'm wondering, like the world has changed so much in the past couple of years, the way that we work, um, uh, the way that we relate to one another. I'm wondering what you, you've been seeing as you've been working with people or maybe what, maybe it's a two-part question, what you even see for the future um, as it relates to human design and the, the ability to kind of um, create a different life than the, the traditional nine to five in the office. Do you see that being something that sticks? So in the last, let's see, year and a half, it's been really interesting reading for people because it's almost like they've had this discovery themselves. And there's been a lot of, there's been a lot more time and space for reflection. And you're looking at your life and saying, am I actually happy doing this? And I find that a lot of generators and manifesting generators have now gone off on gone off on their own or you know maybe they have a traditional job or career that they're working in and they probably they haven't quit entirely but they've opened up the door to starting something on their own mm-hmm. so that they'll really take the first steps to creating their own business or their own line or their own ideas or concepts that they want to bring into this world and really with the pandemic and having people stay at home, they've had a little bit more time to look at their life and say, is this how I want to show up every single day? And then projectors who don't make their own energy and they're really only meant to work a few to- a few hours a day have been loving this whole stay at home pandemic thing because they're able to really honor their own energy levels and take breaks when they need to. And it's actually suit- suiting their energy type a lot more. So, cool. um, so, so you also teach yoga mm-hmm. and I guess I, I just want to dive into that topic a little bit and it doesn't necessarily have to relate to human design, but tell me about your teaching philosophy, your teaching style, uh, your approach. Yeah. So I teach primarily vinyasa flow yoga and yin yoga and my philosophy since the beginning has been listen to your body if you come to my class you really have permission to do what your body needs that day 
um, which is which is kind of funny because human design is essentially permission to do what you want to do. So those two philosophies definitely overlap or come together in a cohesive way in that sense. And yoga to me um, is such a powerful tool because it lets you get back into your body and it gives you time for self-reflection or just how many times a day do people ask themselves, what do I need in this moment? Or what would I love in this moment? And yoga is one way to provide that space and time to do that. I think teaching yoga has been interesting for me because while I love it, it is very energetically draining. And I've since come to learn that I can only teach about four to five classes max a week. And then I'm not giving the best version of myself to my students. And coming to that conclusion was really hard for me because I do like to teach. It's also, it also was my main job for a while, but, but allowing myself to look at what I was doing and how my body and how my mind was responding to it and make a decision from there was so empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that as new teachers, most of us go through because, you know, maybe we've transitioned out of a corporate job or like, a, you know, a stable paycheck per se into the independent world of teaching yoga or whatever it may be. And it's like, oh, God, I have to pay the bills. Oh, God, I have to generate all of this income. Um, and so we snap up all of these opportunities that come our way, which mm -hmm. it may it may last you know, a year or two, you might burn out sooner, maybe, maybe less, but that's really key to understand how many classes a week am I, am I giving my fullest self? And how yeah, it's just taking away. So, and I, when I first came to teaching yoga, I did the same thing. I taught so many classes for so long. And while I'm grateful for that, it was an opportunity to really grow and evolve as a teacher. I realized that was not sustainable within myself. Yeah. Um, do you feel the same way with your teaching? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, as I transitioned into the role of yoga teacher, I think I was most surprised by that. I actually had signed up signed myself up for a career in public speaking, you know, mm -hmm. and that to me was nerve wracking. So to get in front of a group of strangers and make their bodies move, you know, or, or guide them in some sort of way, you know, I would just get like cr crazy stage fright and, um, be shaking and like visibly shaking. And that took me probably the better part of six months to a year to work through. Um, and I'm glad I did because now it's like, ah, okay, here I am here. Here's what I would, what I'm supposed to be doing. Here's what I want to be teaching. And it's, it's a much um, more sustainable practice, you know, because when you're in that state of like shaking and fear and, and worry, that's also energetically draining. Yeah. And there's also that moment where you ask yourself, am I ever going to get over this? Or is this what teaching yoga is to me? <laughs> right. Yeah. I wasn't so sure there at first, but it's, it's also interesting looking at your human design chart. So there's nine different energy centers within the human design chart. And one of the centers is the throat center and yours is undefined, meaning it's not colored in. And most people with the lack of definition there do have some sort of fear of public speaking or, or speaking in general can be challenging for them. Mm -hmm. and, and you 
sorry, you mentioned that human design it has influences through the chakra system, as you're saying, throat. I think be sure mm-hmm. throat chakra. So I yes. wonder. Yeah. It's a little bit different because human design has nine energy centers and the traditional chakra system has seven. So if you look at your chart, there's sort of a different explanation because the human design brings in the spleen and then um, the, the G center, the identity center are two additions into the human design system. Okay. And then are the remaining seven at chakra points, mm-hmm. the seven major chakra points? Yeah. The, this chart itself is laid out in a very pretty way. So it's not a line that doesn't look exactly like the seven centers do. They're, they're placed a little differently throughout the chart, but yes, they are there. The, there's a little bit different of an explanation for each one, but it certainly is integrated into the design. Can you tell me a little bit about the spleen, the energetics of the spleen? Yeah, ooh, the spleen's my favorite. So <laughs> the splenic center, if you look at your human design chart, it's on the left-hand side, it's at the bottom of your chart, and it's the arrow facing inward. Mm-hmm. So if you have your chart pulled up, that's what you look at. And the energy centers within your chart can be either defined, which means this center is colored in, or undefined, which means the center is white. And if you are defined here, you are less influenced by the world around you. If you are undefined, you are more impacted or influenced by the people you're around or the environment that you're in. And your splenic center holds your fears. It also holds your intuition. And if you have a defined center, a defined splenic center, you're basically emitting out your fears. And so people with the undefined spleen enter your energetic aura and pick up on your fears and sort of amplify them in yourself. Mm. But yes, the splenic center, it's all about um, survival. So your intuition is here and your, your intuition is meant to keep you alive, right? Go here, do this, don't eat that, watch out. But it's also home to your fears, which for me is super interesting because at least in my experience with my own chart, it felt like someone was calling me out <laughs> in a very good way because I really had to take a look at some of the fears that reside there and how they were holding me back. So a few examples are fear of running out of time. If you have this in your chart, just as it sounds, you feel like there's not enough time in the day. Or for me, I would always say, oh, I'm I'm 20 years old. I can't possibly start a career, a new career now, or, Oh, I I can't possibly learn a new language or learn how to play an instrument because I'm too old. So all of those fears of running out of time sort of reside in the splenic center. And the idea is that it's part of our job in this lifetime to work through and then ultimately release those fears to, to not hold ourselves back, but also to not influence or amplify those fears in other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of other fears are fear of responsibility, which can be fear of showing up as the highest version of yourself, um, fear of the past repeating itself, which is, again, just as it sounds, fear of past events coming back, replaying themselves in the present time. So you're afraid to step outside of your comfort zone or try something new. And fear of failure. It's all very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So when people come to you and you're reading for them and you uncover these kinds of things, fears or um, whatever it may be, 
do you give them tools to is it is it enough to have that reflected back to you and just to acknowledge it or is there like a next step a tool or a process that follows that's a really great question because i i love human design and i think it's a wonderful tool but it is very surface level. It can be very superficial. And so in my readings, I really try to provide tools and resources and actionable steps that you can integrate into your life very easily. So it's one thing to say, this is your chart. This is your information. Now go figure out what to do with it Mm. versus, okay, this is what I'm seeing in your chart. Here's a strategy or tool you can use to work through within your own life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I find that, you know, sometimes for me, it is helpful. Just, it's just enough to, to acknowledge that something is there that maybe isn't serving me anymore. Um, but sometimes the, oftentimes I ask how, well, how, what do I do with that? Yeah. I'm an, I know that I have this fear, but how do I get out of it or how do I let it go or move beyond it? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where yoga comes into play or meditation or any sort of grounding practice that you have. And what I I can offer what works for me. I have several different tools that I can pull out at any time, like breath work or sitting outside in the sun that help me come back to myself. But just because it works for me doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for someone else. So I always invite people to play around, try things out, give yourself permission to take a, take a class you've never taken before, or watch a video on breath work. And if it resonates with you, great. If it doesn't, you're allowed to, to say no, you're allowed to pass on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I just have a couple of questions left to do want to be mindful of your time. Um, But if we could zoom out for a little bit and look at this from maybe our future selves. (laughs) I'm wondering what you, what your, let's say 90 year old self, what advice would your 90 year old self give to your current self? I think 90 year old Kathleen or 90 year old, whoever you are would just say, you have everything inside of yourself. So many people come to me for a human design reading, asking about their purpose and what's my purpose, what's my path. And I feel the same way at times, but I think if we can just recognize that us living in this space in this present moment is our purpose. And then from there, do what you love because our time on life here is limited. It is, it is not infinite. So really figure out what makes you excited to be alive. And can you incorporate that into your everyday life Mm, yeah you have a wise 90 year old (laughs) (laughs) yeah a 90 year old Kathleen has it all figured out (laughs) she sure does I want to know her (laughs) me too Um, so and then how about the opposite lens if you could go back in time and ask let's say your 15 year old self for advice for your current self oh I love that Uh, 15 year old Kathleen, very, very emo. Um, (laughs) No appropriate time for being emo. Yeah, I think so. Although I can't say it was a phase. It might just be who I am. Um, Just stop taking life so seriously. You know, I, it's funny. 
in my human design, there's something called profile, which is essentially your archetype. And for me, my profile is all about experience, experiencing and learning life from going out into the world and sort of failing and making mistakes over and over and over again, which can feel very heavy. It's, it can be very much a struggle unless you take a step back and say, no, I actually learned so much from that. And I grew so much from those challenging experiences. So if you can sort of shift the way you see the world or the things that you're doing to make it more playful, it can be so freeing. Um, We look at mistakes and failures as wrong or bad. And really there's no way you're going to move through life without making a mistake or without failing, especially if you're doing something worth doing. So 15 year old Kathleen would just say, stop taking life so seriously and have a little bit more fun. Yeah. I love that. That's such a nice reminder, even in adulthood, you know, I I personally witness other teenagers currently, and I'm not sure if this is a generational thing, or maybe it is that age where it's really hard to to think about failure. And it's almost like I, and I, I look back on myself this way too, think that there's this idea of perfection and that is the goal and that is what success means when really it's that's not I mean it's so shifted for me now I used to think oh I have to be perfect I can't make a mistake I have to get straight A's I have to do x y and z mm-hmm. and now it's like eh, it's not that big a deal like I'll try this thing if it doesn't work out then I'll be okay I'll be yeah And I think the public school system could be a whole nother hour long conversation, but it does set people up to become perfectionists and there's really no room for failure. And if you're ever learning something new, you don't go from beginner to expert overnight. The way you learn is through trial and error and you're, you, there is no evolution without some sort of mistake. So the more we can embrace that culturally or as a society, the better off we'll all be. Yeah. And I mean, you have such a uh, unique lens into that being a a former school teacher. You said, oh, yeah, I taught all levels, actually, middle school and then high school and then finished with elementary. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then we maybe need to do a round two on on public school system. I don't know, imagining maybe like a different approach to education. I have so many daydreams about creating my own school someday, but that might be next lifetime. <laughs> maybe, maybe so. Maybe 90 yeah. year old Kathleen couldn't pipe in on that. There we go. <laughs> well, Kathleen, thank you so much for your time. If folks would love to get a hold of you, learn a little bit more about you, what's the, what's the best way to find you? You can check out my website at radianthumandesign.com. You can also find me on Instagram at radianthumandesign. I have a hate-hate relationship with Instagram, so I'm not on there too often, but I try to interact occasionally. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you on that. No shame in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and for sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, or even requests for future podcast topics, please feel free to reach out to me on the social media handles, Facebook at Tessa Marie Tovar, Instagram, Yogi underscore 
underscore Katniss. Um, email address tessa.tovar, that's T-O-V as in Victor, A-R, at iCloud.com. I love to hear from my students, and I'm always happy to talk about this kind of thing for you. If you don't listen, I don't do this. And my goal is to spread the word about what yoga means on and off the mat, in particular, spreading the word outside of the studio. Thanks for tuning in and have a lovely day. Bye.